You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Lisa Wysocki, and today I am in Mound, Minnesota. You are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for December 19th, episode 3082. This episode is brought to you by the World Equestrian Center. Good morning, Horse World. Hi, this is Lynn from Michigan, and I'm uh, sending in my entry for the Wintech Saddle. So here we go. Oh, here we come, a wassailing among the leaves so green. Here we come, a wandering so fair to be seen. Love and joy come to you, and to you your wrestle too. And God bless you and send you a happy new year. And God send you a happy new year. With Glenn and Jen on HRN and Scooter and Nigel too. With Jamie and Zeus, who's on the loose, the fun will bring to you. Kristen and Joy come to you on retired racehorse and Monty to healthy critters and dressage for everyone this year and fox hunting for everyone this year. By KPP and Equity and State Line for some socks, Wintech Saddles, Distance Depot, Redmond for Salt Rocks. Love you all, glad you're here. Drink wassail and bring good cheer. And may HRN and EY Network last for many years. May the network last for many, many years. Merry Christmas, all. Oh, that was Lynn. Lynn, our, one of our terrific auditors. She's been on the cruises with her. We know Lynn very well. That was terrific. I didn't know you could sing, Lynn. I know she's musical because she plays an instrument. but She's awesome. And so she needs to move to Nashville and just get into the songwriting community there. She, <laughs> she covered every sponsor we have. Yeah. <laughs> and almost yeah, every host. <laughs> so She was amazing. Yeah, that was terrific, Lynn. That was a good way to start off our last week. Of the year here on Horses in the Morning. We'll have shows next week, but they're going to be recorded shows. They're, good. they're not going to be uh, new because we're off. We're always off between Christmas and New Year's. And speaking of being off, uh, Jamie is off today. Yeah. So she's on her way to visit her dad. She had to, Something came up, and she had to make a quick trip out there. So she's actually in Georgia right now, back to her old stomping grounds. So she will not be here on today or Wednesday. Thank you so much, Lisa, for filling in at the last minute again. You are, you are so welcome. <laughs> and I know you're up north now. I am. I'm in Minnesota, and I think I think right now it's too below. Oh, there you go. I'm so yeah. glad you're there and not me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I assume there's snow on the ground. There is. It's about ankle deep, and I think this week, uh, maybe between four and ten inches more, maybe. Yeah, you guys, there's a big storm coming across the middle, right? And then northeast, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with like 14 below temperatures. I think the high, you know, Thursday is something like three or four below. So, Uh, Well, if you ever want to come to Florida, we... (laughs) Yeah, it's what, like 40 there? Yeah, it's only 40 this morning. Now, uh, Christmas Eve, it's supposed to be in the low 20s, and there's a chance of precipitation. We may have our first white Christmas ever in, in Ocala, Florida. Oh my goodness! So who knows? So does that mean 
Does that mean all the oranges and all that? There's no oranges left in Florida. They don't grow oranges here anymore. (laughs) It's all houses. We grow houses in Florida now. (laughs) By the way, I have a cold, too. I apologize for that. Uh, Came down with that yesterday. And for everybody that, all the auditors that were looking forward to a WTF show tonight in the auditor room, uh, it's been canceled because Helena has covid uh, her husband does too, and I came up with a cold yesterday, which I don't think it's COVID. I think it's just a cold. But uh, I'm no bice. Eight o'clock tonight. I'm not going to be in a shape to do a show. No. So, um, so thank you for putting up with me today. Appreciate it. Boy, when, absolutely. Wednesday, we're going to do the drawing for the saddle, and you're going to be here. So Yay. we have Kira, our little twelve-year-old spotlight rider, yes. coming on. To, she's going to pick the winner. So fabulous! I thought, I you know, I got to thinking, who better? I was going to have somebody from WinTech come on, and I thought, no, we have to have Kira, Kira. do that. Yes, yes. So she's going to do that today on the show. We Auditor Debbie's going to bring us holiday recipe of the week. It's microwave peanut brittle, and it looks amazing. We'll put a picture in the show notes, and uh, also Jerry Bowman of the North. West Carriage Museum. He's a regular guest on the driving show years ago, and he's going to join us to talk about what's happening up there. Something you could do over the holidays is visit the museum. And uh, we're going to be playing more songs for you. We have to get caught up today with all the songs that have been submitted. So that's what's happening. But you have uh, right now a special going on in your books for the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. So the entire Cat Enright series is available on Kindle for two ninety nine each, which means you can get the entire series for fifteen dollars. So that's a pretty good deal, and it's lots of lots of fun reading over the holidays. And when you get tired of your family and all of that, you can just you know pull out the Kindle and and just cozy up and have have a fun ride with Cat Enright. And the new book, that, the one that you won the award at, too, which, what's that? Yeah, so, so that's The Mysterious Horse House, and that's suitable for 10, ages 10 and up. And that, it's just a charming, fun kind of a fairy tale with a talking pony and mysterious lights, and, and a, an 11-year-old girl has to save the horses. And it's, it was so much fun to write. And uh, I just checked it's completely different for you. Was there a murder at all? Um. No. Yeah, see, that's no, is that the first book you've ever written that didn't have a murder in it? First fiction, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe that says something, Glenn, so maybe I'm not quite as angry at all my ex-boyfriends anymore. <laughs> So, so okay, that's um, kind of funny. Yeah, but, but well, See, songwriters funny. write songs about breakups. You write books. Yes, 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 yeah, and, or people who cut me off in line, you know, in in, in the grocery store. Well, let know, me they, tell you that I hope that this new series of yours, that's based on the Can and Write books, is half as successful as Wednesday. Um, well, <laughs> there is estimated two million-plus videos that now have been made by Girls Dressed in Black dancing the Wednesday song. Is that not crazy? Uh, And apparently every dance school in the world is now dancing the Wednesday song and dance. And by the way, she made that up. Uh, yeah, Jenna just made that up. She they, they they said go out there and dance, and she said, "Well, I'll just make something up. I can't dance." So she made it up. It was completely made up on the scene, and she had COVID that day apparently. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> That's the power of social media. I you hope, know, I hope your series is half as successful. <laughs> yeah. You 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 oh, want to be half as successful too? A tenth of successful <laughs> yeah, would exactly. be fabulous. Exactly, that would be fabulous. All right, let's do some daily winnies. Ha, ha, ha.
<laughs> okay, happy birthdays to our auditors, Julie DeYoung, Debbie Fr- uh, for Deb Fry, and also, I'm going to take a guess at this one, uh, Jamma Voicel. That was pretty good. Well, what would you have said? Uh, that. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with that then. Uh, and also, we have some new auditors last week. Thank you so much for joining the party. And you want to search for HRN Auditors on Facebook to join the room. You're not going to want to miss that. A lot happens in there, including right now, we have the year-end poll going on, asking all kinds of questions and getting some really good answers. And that's Nancy and Abby have joined us last week. If you want to become an auditor, just go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the auditor banner on the right side of the page. So my daily Winnie Glenn goes to the staff at We Can Ride, which is a PATH therapeutic riding center in Maple Plain, Minnesota. They brought me in to do a ground clinic. You know, we're teaching um, just horse activities from the ground. And so I did the clinic yesterday and it was four degrees. <laughs> and they were all troopers. I will say we were in a small indoor arena and there was a little bit of heat. Oh, and they're it. always warmer indoor arenas. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> I'm being sarcastic because sometimes they're colder. <laughs> they were colder, but there, there was heat. And so I think it was maybe, you know, about freezing temperature. <laughs> but they hung in there and they were so great and, and asked so many great questions. And, and you know, it was, it was a fun afternoon, but everybody, I, I'm sure, went home and, you know, had something warm to drink. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's hear from Heather, who sent in this entry for the Wintech Saddle. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas with perfect footing all the time. With a barn full of hay and a trough that never freezes and you've no reason for the <laughs> I'm dreaming of a white Christmas with lots of money to buy tack. May your days be merry and bright, and may all your Christmases be white. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, Heather. So, that was terrific. So I have an idea, Glenn. We yeah. need to get like a like an HRN choir together. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Although we've all watched those virtual Zooms where bands try and sing yes. together. It never it works never well. Works. No. Every, somebody always has a delay. It's very entertaining. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Terrific, Heather. I love the vet part. <laughs> Yes. Uh, You know who would like to wish everybody a happy holidays and a happy New Year's? The World Equestrian Center. They're wrapping down their activities, although they're open over the holidays because they have a hotel and 10 restaurants. But um, we were invited last night. I was so bummed. Jeff from Omega Alpha, they had a VIP table at the Spirit of the Horse, which uh, is a guest we've had on many times whose name I can't remember right now. But they did a special (laughs) 
horse uh, Christmas thing, you know, a show. Right. And right. Uh, we were invited to go over, and we were supposed to go over for dinner and everything and see Jeff. We haven't seen him forever. We love him. Um, and I got sick. So oh, glad. we weren't sure if it was COVID or not, so we didn't go. Um, but uh, we were looking forward to that. It's one of the many things they do over there. Their winter wonderland is going to continue happening all the way through the holidays. Uh, but shows are, I think it's one of the few weeks of the year that there's no shows happening there right now for the next two weeks. And then it starts beginning of January into high season, right? There'll be shows mm-hmm. everywhere. There'll be thousands of horses there. So if you're heading over to Ocala sometime driving by this winter on Route 75. Take 10 minutes, head over to the World Equestrian Center. You're going to be there for half a day at least, just checking out the facilities. They're enormous. I, at least I can't wait for you to come down. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Yeah, you have a place to stay. We always have a place for you. Yay! Um, so come down <laughs> for a couple days if you ever get a break. Uh, over the winter, even when there's a lot of shows going on, and we'll take you over. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going to take you up on that. Yeah, no, definitely. We want we, we love showing the place off. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's uh, unique, that's for sure. So it's worldequestriancenter.com. All right, let's hear an entry from Sh- um, Sharon. This is Sharon's entry. This is Sharon, and the song I'm about to sing has a slight inaccuracy in it, but I think with your new partners, you're going to get there sooner than you think. So here it goes. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my podcast gave to me twelve HRN holiday hosts, eleven pipers on flatcast, ten Nigels leaping, nine Effies dancing, eight hundred Kitz Miller Mustang, seven scooters swimming, six geese chasing Jamie, five thousand episodes, four Kentucky supplements, three French Glens, two retired racehorses, and yes, a Wintech dressage saddle under the tree. Merry Christmas from Sharon, Moose, Judy, Iggy, and the rest. Merry Christmas there, Sharon and Moose. (laughs) That was terrific. That was really good. Everybody's so creative. I know. I you know, it's it's ironic that the the three most uncreative people are the people who host this show. Uh, so, <laughs> that's not true. You're creative. It's Jamie and I that are uncreative. Well. <laughs> so, uh, well, speaking of creative, our auditors are very creative. Most of them have been the ones singing the songs that you've been enjoying this whole month. And we have a couple of more to go today yet. And then Wednesday, we'll pick the winner. But we've also been doing recipes every week. And uh, Auditor Debbie posted this in the auditor room, she posted pictures and said she was doing this microwave peanut brittle. Well, everybody that's made peanut brittle knows it's kind of a pain. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yet, and then everybody was like, you have to give us the recipe. So she's on this morning to give us the recipe for microwave peanut brittle. And Jennifer saw it this morning, who loves peanut butter, by the way. Mm. Um, and I think horse girls and peanut butter go together. Oh, it has to. Yeah, because I yeah. think most of them have been broke at some point and lived on peanut butter. Yes, so I think yes. that's it's part a requirement. of it. <laughs> yeah. Peanut butter toast lived on yes. it because um, yes. it used to be cheap. I'm not sure it is anymore. But <laughs> well, not that it's cheap anymore, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, let's get Otter Debbie on to do microwave peanut brittle. We'll post uh, the link to, or we'll post it in the show notes, so you'll have the complete recipe right there. Well, Debbie, we're so excited because this peanut brittle has been all over the auditor room and everybody wants to know how to make it. Well, I'm glad to share it. I've been making it for, oh gosh, plus 35 years at least. And it's very reliable. The only tricky thing is getting the timing right for your microwave. So Uh, we can talk about that. Yes. 
Yes. So, so how do you um, know how do you know what your wattage is on a microwave? And see, I don't cook much, and I'm hoping that there's some other people out there listening who don't either. So, um, I don't know what my microwave is. Generally, on the inside the door, or either sometimes you have to look on the very back. Uh, there, will, it will tell you what the wattage is. I know exactly where that is on my microwave. Perfect. It's so exciting. And most of them, <laughs> I would say, most of them out today are a thousand watt. Um, Probably. Exactly. That's yeah. what I was just going to say. Yeah. Most yeah. general home ones are a thousand, unless you've got what they call like apartment ones, and they're the small ones. Yes. If you can get a decent sized casserole in that thing, it's at least a thousand watts. Okay. Okay. I know we have, I think it's a 600 one, but it's in the barn and it's just like you heat up tea and coffee and stuff in it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. handy. So yeah. handy. So, so peanut brittle is my mom's like favorite, favorite, favorite. So I'm going to try oh, and good. try to make good. this. So, yeah. So what's all in it? Okay. Wait a minute. Your mom is like 95 years old. Does no, she no, have no, a... no, no, she's 99. Uh, okay. So she's a hundred years <laughs> old. Does she have enough teeth left to eat oh, the yes. peanut butter with? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, just yeah. checking. Yeah. Hey, oh, she's a yeah. hundred. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure my teeth could handle it, let alone hers. <laughs> okay. And that's the reason that I, and I'm saying this, I like to spread this peanut brittle out um, so that it's the the brittle part, not the peanuts, but the brittle part is a little bit thinner. So it makes it much easier to to um, break and chew up and that sort of thing. because ah, if you have chance. a tooth that's a little weak, you're going to lose it in peanut brittle. I mean, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. On the other side. Yeah, yeah. Okay, in this peanut brittle, it's very simple. Um, it makes small batches, but that that's easy. It goes quickly. You're going to use sugar, and that's granulated white sugar, table sugar, the same stuff I put in my tea. Um, you're going to use white corn syrup, and that's, you know, K-Row syrup, the clear oh, got it. Okay. K-Row type corn syrup. Yeah. Um, and then raw peanuts. On the package, it will probably say Spanish peanuts, but you want to be sure it says raw and not salted. Don't use salted. Okay. Raw peanuts. Um, butter. And please use real butter. You're going to go to the trouble with this. They're going to be the calories. Use real butter. But there's going to be um, calories anyway. Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. got sugar and got, peanuts. So bingo. If yeah. you, this is not a diet food, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and vanilla, please use real vanilla. It does contribute to the taste better. And then baking soda. That's it. You've got sugar, corn syrup, peanuts, butter, vanilla, and baking soda. Not well, baking powder. Baking it, it. There you go. That's easy. Um, and then. Debbie, it's Christmas week, so there are no calories in anything. Bingo. And we're yeah. Monday morning of Christmas week. You you got it. No calories. Exactly. No calories. Uh-huh. I like it. <laughs> I like it. So now there's several like steps it. to this though, isn't there, Debbie? There are. There are. And I wrote you know, I wrote it all out in the instructions so they'll they'll have them carefully. And I was an extension home economist for years. So oh. um, yes, writing you know, writing this out, making sure I mean, you know, that everything is there, like the first thing in a recipe sometimes is turn on the kitchen light. No, yeah, <laughs> it's not that detailed, but yeah. So, so the first thing I would advise people is get everything together, get everything measured out in little containers, because when this starts, you want to leave the bowl in the microwave and you're just going to add things to it, stir it, microwave a little bit, add something else, stir it, microwave. So have everything ready because it goes quickly. Oh, I see. Got it. Yeah. Right. So what, what do we start with? Um, you're going to start with um, your casserole dish. I use a quart and a half um, corning casserole dish. You want something with sides 
high enough that when this mixture is hot in there, you've still got enough side sticking up or handle or whatever to be able to pick that up and got it. pour out of it. Um, so a small round bowl is not your friend here. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You'll get your thumb in it. Yes. Yes. And you will need, um, I have a couple of oven mitts that I use. I have also four pot holders I have out, a um, couple of n- table knives, a couple of big spoons, because as I say, this stuff is really hot and, it, and the thing goes quickly. Okay. If you have everything laid out, it is, it is easy. Okay. Um, the first thing you're going to do is, is uh, I lightly spray that casserole dish with Pam. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Non-stick. You're your, exactly. Yeah. You're going to put your sugar in that and then stir the, the corn syrup in it. Stir it up good. You're going to put that in the microwave and you're going to microwave. Okay, if you have a 1,000-watt oven, you're going to microwave that like three minutes. Okay. Now, I bought a, I bought a new microwave this year and it's 1250 watts so i had to adjust the times on mine so in the in the show notes you'll see in the recipe i have the first timing is for a thousand watt oven and then in parentheses i put for a 1250 oven and that's why there are two times in there that makes sense exactly yes exactly yeah um and i will tell you buy enough ingredients to make at least two batches because sometimes your first batch is a test Batch. <laughs> right. Or your when second or third batch. <laughs> which well, generally, yeah. Yeah. When you get your timing right, I mean they just click off perfectly. Uh-huh. But that first batch is to make sure that the timing is right for your okay. oven. I have okay. I have thrown a batch or two away. Um you're gonna microwave it the time and you're gonna leave it in the oven and then you're gonna stir in the peanuts. Okay. And you're just gonna stir them in. I mean you're you're not beating them in, you're just gonna stir them in. Use a knife to scrape your spoon off. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to microwave them again for a thousand watts, three minutes. Okay. And then you're going to add um, your butter and vanilla and stir them in. Okay. Then you're going to mic again. And this last microwaving is a very short, but it's it's important to get that timing right. Um, and then you're going to move this to the counter and stir in your soda. Now this is going to foam up. Um, this is what okay. makes it light and fluffy. It's going to foam up, and then you're going to, um, and again, you're stirring. You don't don't right. beat it. Don't don't stir it along. Just time. stir, just gently stir. stir. Exactly. Yeah. And then you're going to pour and scrape onto your buttered cookie sheet, and you can, as I say, you can leave it like you pour it out, and it's going to be fairly thick. Or I spread it with a spoon. I spread it out kind of thin mm-hmm. because I think it, it, it eats better for us. We're older and like Glenn mentioned, some of us <laughs> are not as good. So Got it. it takes about, it takes at least an hour to cool before it will break apart easily and then store it in airtight containers. And that's it. Wow. See, that's something I think I could do. And I think it would be so much fun to, to, to do that. And who doesn't like peanut brittle? I mean, really. Exactly. And if you get, if you have enough, I usually get um, one bag of um, peanuts. Generally, you'll make um, three batches. And, you know, if you get everything measured out while you, for one batch, and then while that batch is cooling, measure everything out for the second batch. And you can make three batches of that in the morning. Pretty handy. Um <laughs> Now, and Debbie, everybody, everybody loves peanut brittle. Yeah, oh, absolutely. How did you come up with this? I mean, the timings are so precise. You must have made like a thousand batches. 
Well, I, I did, um, as a home economist um, years ago, I made, uh, I did a lesson on microwave cooking because, you know, back in the dark ages and seventies, microwaves were getting more popular. I did a microwave cooking class yeah. and one of the areas was um, candy. And this was one of the recipes that we, I came up with and it did take a lot of test batches mm-hmm. sure. to come up with the right, right timings. And, um, but it's been very reliable. And when I had my thousand watt oven, the, you know, the timing was perfect. And now I've got it perfect for the 1250 and it only took one batch. So yay. Yay. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Debbie, this is, this has been just an amazing recipe and I'm, I'm seriously, I'm so excited about it. And thank you for sharing it with us. Well, you're very welcome. I hope everyone enjoys it. I'd like to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and, um, a very happy new year to you guys and everyone else. Thoroughly enjoy um, Horses in the Morning and the uh, HRN Auditor Group is, is a wonderful community. So it really you. is. It really is. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Debbie. Debbie. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. You bet. You guys too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There you go. I want to see pictures when you make it for your mom. I will. I'll post. <laughs> <laughs> can't believe she's 99. Look- yeah, be 100 in March. And lives at home. Lives at home, yeah. How long has she lived in that house? 65 years. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know, I know. So, yeah, so she's she's entrenched, let me put it that way. <laughs> now, she does have a home health aide who comes in um, every morning, uh, and that's been a new addition last six months or so. Oh, my gosh. Good for I her. Know. Yeah, for absolutely. Her. All right, Angela sent this entry in, and then we'll go to our next guest. Hi, I am Angela from Wisconsin, and I'm hoping to get a saddle. That's ironic, huh? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Here we go. I wish you a Merry Christmas. I wish I had a new saddle. I wish I won a win tech. Dressage is my pick. Good tidings I'd bring, a horse I would buy. I wish me a Merry Christmas with a horse I could ride. <laughs> I'll tell you what, thank you for that, Angela, and Merry Christmas to you. You know, the uh, Wintech dressage saddle has been the one mentioned the most, for sure. Yes. By far. Yes. <laughs> because they're fabulous, that's why. You watch somebody will win it and, and buy an endurance or get a free endurance. Yeah, <laughs> it won't be dressage; it'll be something else. All right, we're going to head to our next guest. He's been on the show a number of times before in the driving episodes. If you used to listen to those, his name is Jerry Bowman. He's with the Northwest Carriage Museum, and uh, Jamie wasn't here today, so I was able to talk carriages without her getting uh, all squirrely on me. So, <laughs> so thank you, Lisa. See, Anytime. Lisa's brave. She'll drive a carriage. She I know. will. Yeah. yeah, I used to. One of my first jobs, Glenn, I was driving a four-horse hitch for hay rides at a dude ranch. Really. Oh yeah, I was I was like fifteen well, years old. Ten up on me because uh, having all those reins in your hands is somewhat complicated. It's complicated, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> you have two, you basically you have two sets of reins in each hand, and yeah. uh, it, you would think you. It's not how you would think controlling the horses with the reins because no, no, right? And yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but they're divided up differently than you would think. They are. They are. And the only reason I got the job is because I told them I knew how to harness horses and how to drive a four-horse hitch, which I had no experience doing any of that. But so hopefully they were out. old, fat, lazy uh, draft horses. 
They were um, old and fat, but not so lazy draft horses. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun when you got all those reins in your hand. Here, let's learn teach you how to drive with four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I had been driving my little horse, though, my, my little Appaloosa mare. I had been driving her to horse shows in the neighborhood. So I, okay. I've been driving since I was 12. Uh, see? It's not so bad, Jamie, you wimp. No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's give uh, Jerry a call. Well, hi, Jerry. It's good to talk to you again. It's been a few years. It has been a few years, Glenn. It's uh, great to be here with you and Lisa. I um, I, I so appreciate being on, on, on your uh, podcast. Now, you're with the Northwest Carriage Museum. Where exactly is that? The Carriage Museum is in Raymond, Washington. Most people don't know about where Raymond, Washington is, but we're right on Highway 101, um, between uh, Seattle and uh, Astoria, Oregon. Uh, people going down the Oregon coast or coming up the Olympic Peninsula to visit the Pacific Northwest will drive right by our museum. Got it. Okay. And uh, how many carriages? Well, uh, the last time you and I spoke, which was probably four or five years ago, I was probably in the low 30s. We now have 63. We have one of the finest collections in uh, all of America, I've been told. And uh, we've, we've, uh, we actually did a big expansion a few years ago because we outgrew ourselves. But we have 63 wow. uh, incredible 19th century um, horse-drawn vehicles as well as thousands of period artifacts. Wow. So I'm looking at the map, and and uh, you're right. You're like right along the coast. We are. Well, we're in the southwest corner of uh, of uh, uh, Washington, Glenn, and we are. Uh, well, uh, from my house, uh, we live up on a hill. I can see Willapa Bay, which dumps into the Pacific Ocean, and our museum is right along the Willapa River, which is a a great local attraction. It's noted for its uh, its uh, salmon and steelhead and crab and oysters and sturgeon and you name it. Jennifer and I were doing a road trip again this year, and I was looking at the route, and we were hoping to go up to Wisconsin, actually, Lisa, and then across the top yep, and end yep. up in Washington. Because we have a lot of listeners over there. Oh, yeah. Uh, so does there room to park our uh, Living Quarters horse trailer in your driveway? Uh, well, I'll make room for you. Okay, good. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll find a place. Uh, we'll either have you up at the property, uh, but uh, uh, and we have a big, huge parking lot in our in front of our museum too. Although the city doesn't like people staying overnight there, but we'll we'll make accommodations. For All right, you. good. Tell them we're celebrities. We're allowed to stay overnight. <laughs> so so, can I have your autograph? Yeah, exactly. I'll I'll be sure to give you that. Um, but it, this is such a pretty part of the country too. And how did you know why? did you start a carriage museum? Were you a collector? Well, actually, to be honest, I didn't start the museum. The museum, um, uh, we are very proud to uh, let people know is uh, this year we have been celebrating our 20th anniversary throughout the entire year. And uh, a, a little over 20 years ago, we had a private donor uh, in, uh, in the area. He was a collector of carriages and he had 21 beautifully restored carriages, but his family uh, basically said, Dad, what are you going to do with these? And, and uh, uh, they ended up creating a nonprofit museum, and he donated those 21 carriages to uh, get the museum started. And at that time, there weren't a lot of artifacts, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, it, it has grown so much since then. And my wife and I 
we retired from Southern California um, um, about 20 years ago, and we joined up with the museum about 19 years ago now. And uh, we kind of took over, and um, they became – my wife runs the museum. Her name is Lori. She's the executive director, runs all the business part of it. And I restore carriages and acquire carriages, and I've become a historian and a res- restoration person and a conservation person. And we give talks all over the Pacific Northwest on horse-drawn transportation. And I know that you have some uh, movie vehicles there that were used in movies. Tell us about a couple of those. Well, we've had um, we've got five uh, original uh, carriages that were once owned by the big studios or movie ranches. Um, we have a, a carriage that was Bell Watling's carriage in Gone with the Wind. I have an incredible stagecoach that uh, it's a Henderson stagecoach originally made in Stockton, California. But it was uh, used throughout the movie Virginia City back, I believe it was 1941. But uh, if you come out to our museum, you can watch it on on, on, a, on a, a film clip that's uh, playing, and you'll see Humphrey Bogart and Errol Flynn in in our um, in our stagecoach. You'll also see Alan Hale, who if people might remember as the skipper on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's right. So, you know, I used to watch all those movies, too. So, you know, stagecoaches were in almost every single one of them. But when you see them up close, some of them are so big compared to what you would you would picture in the movie. Big and heavy. Um, what people don't realize about the stagecoaches is, you know, a lot of um, um, horse-drawn transportation was not real comfortable back in those days. Stagecoaches were actually made for passenger comfort. Uh, they have three-inch leather straps that run axle to axle that the body sits on. Those are called through braces, and that's where that rocking motion comes from. So uh, back in those days, they considered that comfortable, although our stagecoach was a nine-passenger stagecoach, and there's three people with their back uh, backs to the back seat and there's three people with their backs to the front seat and there used to be a bench seat that went across the middle and that seat was cheaper because you had nothing to lean back on so um what what's what would you know at my age if i went 100 miles with nothing to lean back on i probably wouldn't walk for three days so um but that was our idea of comfort back in the uh, 1800s and early 1900s if we watch the movies like we do and those old westerns, you would imagine every stagecoach that ever existed would have bullet holes and arrow holes in it uh, because it appears from the movies that everyone has been shot at. Um, do yours have bullet holes and arrow ho- holes in them? <laughs> they, it, they don't have bullet holes and arrow holes. And, you know, um, I hate to break the news to you, Glenn, uh, and to your listeners, but uh, Hollywood does not depict some of the uh, lifestyle. Back <laughs> You're ruining our fantasy accurately. here. What are you doing? I tell the story uh, about uh, out here, uh, we're real close to the original Oregon Trail. And, you know, people know about all the stagecoaches and or various kinds of farm wagons and stuff coming over the Oregon Trail. But, you know, they always show pictures of mom and dad driving a beautiful team of horses and the people are happy and stuff. And I tell people that's not accurate at all. Those people walked across the country. You didn't put any extra weight in your wagon other than things that you wanted to carry. I also tell people is that back in those days, it was brutal out there. And, you know, the, the original uh, Oregon Trail started in, in uh, around St. Louis and then came out, out west here. And the first few had to have uh, scouts and and, uh, and 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 maps and things like that. After uh, a, a few thousand people went through, all they did was follow the trash and, unfortunately, the graves. 
because mm. so many people were lost along the trail. So they say within every quarter mile, there was a grave marker and whatever. So you just followed the trail. You know, unfortunately, things show, are still show that in the movies. Things are still the same right now because uh, the amount of litter around here has increased greatly. <laughs> so we're still following the trash along the trail. Yeah, I, that's I, true. I think that's true. I don't know. We've not learned a thing. In <laughs> no, we, years. we really haven't. <laughs> <laughs> we're just not walking yeah. it anymore. Can you imagine? You're walking with your kids and your grandparents and everybody else through those mountains. <laughs> well, and 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 you know, it was uh, weather was an issue disease was an issue and and there were robberies and and um uh you know and d- depending on the uh, the territory there were there were indian issues uh so yeah i mean it was it was a brutal uh, tr- track across the country it's amazing that some of those people made it and a lot of them didn't so uh you also have one you did you mention earlier from gone with the wind we do we have a shelburne landau it's a beautiful beautiful carriage um, um, it was actually, uh, you, it was Bell Watling's carriage and gone with the wind. It was once owned by a company called Hutkins brothers out of, in Hollywood, California. It's an original 1890s vehicle, but Hutkins brothers, uh, Ace and, and his brother had, uh, hundreds of horse drawn vehicles that they used to lease to the movie industry during the heyday of Hollywood. They actually raised horses as well. Um, the original trigger was a Hutkins brothers horse. They sold, they, tr- they sold trigger to Roy Rogers in 19. 19- 1942 uh, for $5,000 and Roy didn't have the money. So he had to make payments for five years. Uh, they had silver from the, uh, the Lone Ranger um, uh, trigger. W- original name was golden cloud, but those were all Hutkins brothers horses, but they had lots of vehicles as well. So they, uh, they le- used to lease them out to the, uh, the movie industry. And we actually still have a Hutkins brothers tag on that carriage that, um, you know, when they leased it out to the movies. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't. I didn't know that. I'm just learning all kinds of cool things this morning. This is oh, amazing. we. Uh, uh, I would. When you come out and visit Tokeland, uh, Lisa, um, uh, we'll go through the museum, and I could tell you stories about every carriage. In fact, when when my wife, we do a lot of tours at the museum, group tours, uh, car clubs, and church groups, and uh, um, RV clubs. You name it, we've done them. Educational tours. My wife always introduces the museum, and she says, how long do you have? Because Jerry can talk to you, give you the hour tour, the three-hour tour, the weekend tour. <laughs> yeah. so, so the listeners don't know, but I used to live in Tokeland, Washington, which is tinier than Raymond and about 15, 20 minutes away. I used to train horses for a seafood company there called Nelco Fisheries. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. You trained horses for a seafood company? They're, yeah. they're, that doesn't yeah. go together they're, either, they're, right they're there. Sea horses. Yeah. She trained <laughs> they were. It was great, though, because I used to be able to leg up our yearlings and our halter horses on the tide flats. It was fat. I love it. I love but why it. did they have yeah. horses? So the, the owner, a guy named Chris Nelson, um, owned the seafood company, loved horses, loved Appaloosas, and um, wanted to have an Appaloosa racing and showing and breeding operation. And hmm. so I was there for four or five years, traveled internationally into Canada. We were on the road constantly. But I will tell you this, Jerry, back then when I was training uh, for Nelco Fisheries, the nearest gas station was about 45 minutes away in Aberdeen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And- well, it's not too much different now. There, There is a gas station. It's a little bit closer. But, you know, you talk about you talk about the seafood industry and horses out on the Columbia River. 
when you, uh, uh, the Columbia River divides Washington and Oregon, and it's uh, there's a bridge called the Megler Bridge. It's mm-hmm. four and a half miles, but when, at low tide, you can still see pilings out in the middle of the river. And those pilings were, used to be barns up on top. And at low tide, they had horses in those barns that they would walk down ramps, and they used to do what they called seining with these big, gigantic nets. And these big horses would pull the nets in, and they would catch the fish, and those would go to the cannery. And then when the tide started coming in, they walked the horses up the ramps, and they stayed in this barn, and they were literally above the ocean. That's amazing. Huh. That's amazing. Yeah, it, I remember hearing about that when I when I uh-huh, lived out there. Yeah, yeah people, the old timers would tell me about that. And I've seen pic, I've seen pictures of it, uh, but you can still see the pilings that are out in the middle of the river because, you know, when you at high tide you walk you, you look across that river and it looks just massive, but you don't realize that in some spots that water is only maybe three or four feet deep. Yeah, yeah. Well, we used to get some amazingly high high tides out in Tokeland, and we became an island during high tide. Uh, oh yeah, sometimes. I've been out there during floods. Yep. yep. Yeah. 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 So you yeah. had to time your times on and off the, the peninsula there because sometimes you couldn't get back. Yeah. The, uh, during the winter, when you get what they now they call the king tides, it can get pretty, um, pretty, pretty moist out there. Yeah. Yeah. But you've got a, it sounds like a beautiful view of Willapa Bay, which goes through Tokeland and into, into Westport, I think. Um, uh, yeah, well, yeah, Westport's on the other side. Actually, Willapa Bay, uh, uh, Tokeland's on one side, and on the other end is the tip of the Long Beach Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, I do have to get out there. This is this is so much fun for me. It's just yeah, it sounds just, pretty. I mean, it sounds beautiful. I would I would love to have uh, uh, you or your listeners come out if you, if you guys do come out ever. Uh, you call the museum a couple days in advance and 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 let me know that you're coming in, uh, and I will make it a, a point to be there. And we will have a great time touring. Uh, just an incredible collection. One of the nice things that we get because uh, you know Raymond uh, Lisa is still fairly rural. It's grown a little bit. We actually have breweries and wineries now in restaurants. Oh my. Well, there, you just convinced <laughs> our listeners you're in now. You that's see, all you had to do is mention beer well, and wine, and that's you're good. It's changed uh, in the 20 years <laughs> since we've been here. I mean, it was they didn't have that when we were here, but we have a couple breweries and a great little winery and some great restaurants and places and shops to, to look at. All right, I'm in. But, nwcarriagemuseum.org, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Thanks, Jerry, once again for talking to us, and you have a good holiday. You too. Happy holidays to you guys and, and all your listeners. And come, come, come get carried away at our museum. We would love to see you. All right. Yeah, thanks, Merry Jerry. Merry Christmas, Jerry. See you. Merry Christmas to you all guys. Right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, there you go. If you're ever up in that way, you can stop by. I do want to see his museum. It, it, from the pictures, go. it looks beautiful. I mean, it, it looks world-class, it actually. It's, it does. It yeah. does. I, I have to go. I, I just have to go. Yeah, me too. Well, we have a few more entries. Do you want to hear them? Oh, okay. absolutely. So Karina sent this one. And by the way, she lives up there. We met her when we were flying through Seattle. She took us out to dinner. We we were at the airport. We stayed over a night before we went to Alaska. Uh, Portland or Seattle. One of those up there. I don't remember. That was nice of Karina. Yeah, it was. Hi there. This is Karina from Arlington, Washington. And I have a song for you with apologies to... Bing Crosby, because I'm not really a singer. Anyway, (laughs) here's go. It's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. Braggy and Odin say so. Take a look at the Wintex that are sparkling again with brass or chrome that glow. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. 
The Mustangs will say so, but the prettiest sight to see are the supplements from KPCC to keep them healthy and in growth. Some Distance Depot boots, State Line Tack and Cahoots, Shauna Koresh, Mary Kitz Miller training hacks for the hope of getting in the trailer, maybe for snacks. It's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. Braggy and Odin might say so. There's trees in the paddocks and more in the fields. The sturdy kinds that don't mind snow. It's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. Purina in the stores. But the prettiest sight to see are the bags that will be near my own feed room door. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everyone. Hope you enjoy and sorry. Um, I'm not really a singer. Bye. Merry Christmas to you out there, Karina, and everybody in the great Northwest. Uh, we appreciate you guys, and hopefully Jennifer and I will get out there for a visit. We've always wanted to see that area. Uh, and uh, it does appear that Mary Kitzmiller has a reputation for has, having a lot of animals. <laughs> I, I think so, yes. <laughs> Which, by the way, I think is a correct um, representation, because yes. I have never gotten her to commit to how many equids she owns. She has never... She probably doesn't know. She doesn't know. They've, well, she, I, I truly think she doesn't know, but I also think she doesn't want to count. So there's, That would be scary, maybe. Yeah, there's both of those things. Yeah. You know, some people collect, you know, chess sets and other trinkets. She collects ponies. So Yeah. I think a lot of people do that. Yes, or would like to. <laughs> yeah, would like to, yeah. <laughs> That's getting more expensive hobby, too, right now. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. All right. Madison sent this one in. Hey, y'all. This is Madison Tillman. I'm throwing my name in the hat for the Windex Saddle, but I was too nervous to sing by myself, so I brought in my friend Emily. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> She's the most ornery mare in the barn. <laughs> she, she might not like pass and she needs perfect prep, but she loves me so dear. She's the most wonderful mare to hear. Mare! She's the happiest horse at the show. With her silver and bands and her fancy fake tail, all the judges will fall for the most ornery mare of them all. There'll be treats overflowing, excitement is growing, and ribbons to hang on the wall. The horses are leading, the trainers are sleeping, and owners don't know who to call. It's the most wonderful time of the year. But the trailer is packed and we ate all the snacks and I drank all the beer. <laughs> it's the most wonderful show of the year. <laughs> there you go. That, that was, was Madison great. and her friend, apparently. <laughs> Yes, and she could have done fine by herself. Yeah, she would have been fine. But she she yeah. even said after, she said, I'm not doing it myself. Yeah. <laughs> not that we didn't enjoy Emily, but yeah, she could have exactly. been fine. <laughs> so good job, everybody. Now, we did have a lot that were messages. 
uh, and things like that. We tended to only play the songs and poems because we had so many. So uh, we did get yours. You are entered in this in the saddle drawing. We just didn't have time to put them all together. I'm hoping I have time to put all the songs and poems into a special episode this week, mm. and we'll put it out before Christmas so that you can go through and hear them all again. It's so sad that... You know, these people put so much thought and effort into them, and we only play them once, right? So I know, I know. Yeah. <clears throat> so we hopefully that way you can we can have them all together. We try and do that every year, and if I have time this week and don't feel like total crap, uh, we'll we'll do that. It's a bad week to get sick. It's one of our busiest weeks of the year. Yeah. Um, it's always a bad week to get sick, though, Glenn. That is true. That is true. Yeah. There's never a good time. Uh, no. And next week, we're redoing the kitchen, so, uh, you know, Ooh. and that, I mean, we're gutting it down to the framing. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. We're, so, are you, like, eating out, or what are you doing? Well, we we ordered, actually, we ordered one of the uh, ser- food things that you get delivered, yeah. and they're all frozen. So, okay. it's microwave time. <laughs> so, so does your refrigerator then move into the living room? It does, or? actually. Yeah. Uh, that moves in the living room. We'll have a skillet in the living room, and then I have my grill. You know, it's Florida, so we yeah. can still cook outside this time of year. As long as it's not 20. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, and then, uh, really clever, The we're going to lose the kitchen sink for weeks. Um, so, we got this uh, fish gutting table. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's a plastic <laughs> fish gutting table that okay. fits in the shower in the spare bathroom. So, that's going to become the washing dishes place. Um, okay. In the spare that's shower. creative, Glenn. Yeah. So, that, that was Jennifer's idea. I would have never thought of that in a million years. That's uh, a great idea. Yeah, because it's already set up for the water and collecting yeah. the water and we don't have to worry about you know a bowl in the living room yeah um so that's how we're going to do that and so basically this project started with hey we sold the company we can afford to get the kitchen done and then we found out that an eight by eight kitchen with very little changes to it just new cabinetry and you know everything way we, we want it was going to cost over forty thousand dollars Seriously? Yes. That's crazy. Yes, to have it installed in the cabinets and all that stuff. It, it came up to over $40,000. And we oh weren't doing anything. They they were the middle line cabinets, not the top of the line. Yeah. And then one of our terrific listeners reached out, uh, and uh, he said, look, I live in uh, right a couple hours up the road from you, and I sell kitchen cabinets. So, And Jennifer and I have remodeled old farmhouses before. So yeah. it's like, okay, we have the week off. We'll just... We'll tear it apart. We know how to do drywall. Just do all that stuff. So we're going to attempt to do it ourselves. It'll be a project. uh, And then we brought the cost down to about $8,000. So... (laughs) That's a huge difference. Yeah, <laughs> a huge wow. difference. So, wow. And Clark, our wonderful listener, volunteered. He said, you get it all prepped and ready to where it's ready for the cabinets, and I'll come down and help install them. So he's going to come down. He's going to come down for a couple days over a weekend and help us install them. I mean, How nice is that? I know. It's wow. A, it's, uh, it's very nice of him to offer to do that. We have great listeners. So you absolutely don't need to be sick this week. I don't need to be sick next week. Uh, So if I'm, if there was a better week to be sick, it's this week. (laughs) So that, yeah, that that is true. But you know, demolition's always fun because you know it's dusty and dirty, but it's fun. Yeah. Uh, And we we do that. We actually got a dumpster to put all the current old cabinets in. You know, this kitchen is so old. This house was built in '77, and nothing's changed. And of course, all they had was that. The Formica or whatever countertops that right. are made out of that uh, mushed up, uh, you know, stuff that's yeah. always glued together. And the yeah. problem is it's falling apart after 40 years. So, uh, you know, 
uh, it's time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's no dishwasher. That's how this all started, Lisa. There's no dishwasher. So, and so now you're spending a week and $8,000 to so get, a get a dishwasher. dishwasher. Yeah. yeah. And then guess what was the one appliance that was back ordered? The dishwasher. The dishwasher. So yeah. we went out Saturday and we went to several stores till we found the dishwasher we wanted and they had it in stock and we brought it home. So the reason for this whole $8,000 is the dishwasher <laughs> and we actually have it in-house now. Well, so, that's exciting. Yes, so does the 8000 include the dishwasher? Yes, that includes the dishwasher. Wow. Yeah. He did a really, he gave us a really good price on the cabinet. So I yeah, really obviously. It's nice to have listeners that are in all fields. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. Um, so yes. that's our project. We thought about, I'd like your feedback on this. We thought about uh, filming, you know, filming a couple times a day and oh, posting yeah. that in the auditor room because, oh, yes. you know, everybody Absolutely. likes to share in other people's pain and misery. So, yes, um, yes. Uh, we want to see that. Okay. One. <laughs> well, Lisa has one vote. I'd like other votes on whether you want us to post that. And yes. we'll keep you we'll keep you up to date on how terribly it's going next week and <laughs> what awful things you find. Because, you know, once you tear your walls out, you find awful oh, things. All kinds of things you don't expect. Mm. And that eight thousand can as long as it's not a python in the walls, I'll be okay. Uh, Oh my goodness! We do live in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking bad wiring or weak or old. Oh my goodness! No, we've had houses where we tore the walls tore the walls apart, and there's been literally bees nests that took up the entire wall. Oh, man. So I had a friend who who bought a house in Tennessee, and she was tearing out a wall in the basement, and she found the plates, like like the metal plates to print Confederate money. Oh, my God. That's probably worth something. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And so the state had to come in. I mean, it was like this amazing thing that that she found. Yeah, you just don't know what you're going to find. Well, we never found anything that interesting. The one wall we (laughs) tore out in the first house had two feet of acorn shells in it. So the squirrels had gotten into the attic and they were dropping the acorn shells down inside the wall. (laughs) And there were literally about two feet of acorn shells in there. So how how much insulation value does that add? Uh, uh, None. That house was freezing. (laughs) We had to do everything. It was one of those old, like late 1800s, early 1900s farmhouses that didn't have anything. It didn't have central heat. When we moved in, and this was in the middle of a hundred acres. When we moved in, it had it had the only heat it had was a very very old coal stove. Oh my goodness! And then you know that didn't work right, and yeah. it it didn't have a fan, so the heat just kind of radiated up through the radiators, and there were no radiators in the second story. So the bedrooms were just freezing. And where was this house? It was in Pennsylvania, and oh. we we would. St- you couldn't regulate the coal stove. It was so old. So either the house was a thousand degrees or 20 degrees. It was one of the two. <laughs> there was one day we were sitting in the living room, Lisa, and the wallpaper started peeling off the walls. It was so hot in the living room. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and you bought this house? Uh, it was Jennifer's parents bought the pro- property. was beautiful. It was 100 acres. Yeah. The barn was nice, a big bank barn. It was, The property was beautiful. It was well, bought for the go. property. And that's sure. when I first met Jennifer. That was the first place I saw. So, uh, and I hung <laughs> around. Give me some credit. I had to You're deal with the horse man. thing, which was new, and then this house, which was interesting to say the least. Man, you 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 really hung in there, Glenn. I did. <laughs> says a lot for Jennifer. <laughs> it does. It really does. Yes, but it says a lot about you too. Yeah. There was yeah. an actual working out house. Now it did have a bathroom, but there was a working out house. That I don't think the new bathroom in the house was too old, um, but it had a working out house, a two seater, 
So, um, so, so what's a working outhouse? I mean, you could you just go to like... the bathroom in it and it was still functional. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the hole was still there. Matter of fact, during and... large parties, we'd have large parties at that farm where the hundred people would show up and it was functional. They would use the working outhouse. Um, we okay. had brand new toilet seats on it and I never saw two people go in together. I always wondered That's about good. that concept. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have told you when I was growing up, we had an old, old lake house next door to us built in 1863. They had a three-seater outhouse. I don't get that concept at all. Yeah. <laughs> like you, your your wife, and your kid all out there together. That's just not... not that's just slight. weird. Yeah, that's just... I guess in Minnesota in the winter, you know, if you got to go, you got to go. Yeah, it's probably so. warmer with three people in there. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Who dug the thing out? Okay, here we're going to places we don't want to go. No. 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 no, no. <laughs> so we're going to end the show with people thinking about two- and three-seater outhouses. That's perfect. <laughs> what a way to end our show. Merry Christmas, exactly. everybody. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we can end it this way. Be thankful you have bathrooms with running yes. water and toilets that flush to some place you don't have to clean out. Exactly. I'm thankful of that. Yeah, I'm on medicine. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, so we're going to quit there. There's no post show today because I have a lot of meetings today and I got to keep my voice going. So uh, we will do a post show on Wednesday. We have a very special guest coming in for a post show on yeah. Wednesday. So I'll, I, Lisa doesn't even know who that is yet. I'll Ooh. let you know. Uh, but uh, well, thank you, Lisa, for filling in. Once again, where do they get the books? Uh, Amazon.com. Just uh, look for Cat Enright or Lisa Wysocki or the Mysterious Horsehouse. Very good. Thank you, Lisa, for filling in. We appreciate it. LisaBaisaki.com. And, of course, you can find all of our past episodes at HorsesInTheMorning.com. Yeah. And the recipe will be in the show notes for today. I'll also post it in the auditor room. Take yeah. care, everybody. Yeah. Okay. 